Welcome. We are back into our studies in Romans chapter 14. I hope you have read Romans chapter 14. It might be a good idea at this point, if you have not, pause the video and read the entire chapter, then come back. We'll continue in Romans chapter 14. There was something happening in the early churches that we may not recognize in our churches today may even seem odd to us, but there are principles of attitude and unity throughout this chapter that will always be relevant. We want to get our hands on those principles that will always be relevant in terms of our attitude and our unity together in the Lord's work today. Churches were composed of people from very different backgrounds back then, and sometimes that diversity became a flashpoint. You can see from the opening verses that this had to do with what people were eating, which may seem odd to us. I don't even know what any of you ate last week. You don't seem to have issues with my menu. Yet, we may sometimes encounter issues or diversity over other matters that should not disrupt our fellowship. And that's what Romans 14 is about. Brethren were judging one another over matters not of faith, but of personal preference and opinion. Before we continue, I want to look back with you at verses 5 through 12 for just a moment, and then we'll continue at 13. 5 through 12. Something very important emerges in that paragraph. 5 through 12. I want you to listen, and then I'll have something to say about Romans 14, 5 through 12. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I want to make one point about this. Twelve times the words Lord, God, or Christ. Here's what I want to say. If someone decides to devote a certain day to private prayer and fasting, or a week, and they make this choice to honor the Lord, 
with all sincerity, but without telling anyone else that they need to do that. Verse 10 says, why pass judgment? I know of a man who once a year on the day he was baptized takes off work, reflects on his new life, prayer and Bible reading and fasting in gratitude to God. Why pass judgment? See what I mean? How important that is. Verse 13, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That verse tells them and us not to pass judgment and call someone to stumble over a matter of opinion. Beyond verse 13 in this context, Paul teaches something that Jesus taught, which is no surprise since Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ guided by the Spirit. There is not some food substance, some legitimate food product that passes through your body and makes you spiritually unclean simply because it passes through your body. <coughs> Verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Now, this is based on what Jesus said. I'm turning back to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. Mark 7, 18 through 23. He said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. I believe Paul in Romans 14, 14 is echoing what Jesus said in Mark 7, 18 to 23. There is not some food substance, some legitimate food product <coughs> that passes through your body and makes you spiritually unclean. Now, if I believe something will defile me spiritually, and I eat it anyway, I violate my conscience. That becomes a problem. Otherwise, Jesus and Paul teach there is no legitimate food product that passes through your body and makes you spiritually unclean. I'll come back in just a moment and cover verses 14 through 16.
I'm back with you now in verses 14 through 16. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do, you, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. It is always the case that if what we do that we believe is okay has spiritually destructive impact on others, that consideration cannot be ignored. If I know that eating something in front of a brother may lead him to violate his conscience, I must take that into account. If there are things I don't have to do, even though I believe I'm free to do those things, but I don't have to, knowing I might lead someone to violate their conscience, I'll refrain from that. I'll tell you this story. About 10 years ago, I'm teaching this passage here at Laurel Heights in McAllen, and we have a one-time visitor in the audience, a relatively new Christian, and he had not become acquainted with the teaching here in Romans 14. He's in the class. <coughs> I'm teaching from this chapter, Romans 14, and he puts his hand up, and I call on him. And he stands up and confesses that he has not been following this instruction, and he asked that we pray for him, and we did. He explained that he had been trying to convert an Arab friend, and each day when they met over lunch at work, he pushed a pork sandwich across the table and asked his friend to eat it. Well, that's not the way you influence people. That's not the way you convert people. You never ask people to violate their conscience. As the word was taught that morning, a light came on and this brother realized his error. I don't want to put in front of someone at my table what I know their conscience will not allow them to consume. Why would I do that? Listen again in verses 13 through 19, Romans 14. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 
That's the teaching of Paul. You know, verse 17 makes a fundamental point about what we're all about as citizens of the kingdom. While we are careful not to needlessly offend someone or lead someone to violate their conscience, menu questions are not really what we're all about. That's not at the center of who we are and our work together. We all know that in modern churches, in community churches, in denominations, and sometimes in places with a sign similar to ours, fellowship is defined by eating and drinking. There's strong social emphasis, not spiritual fellowship, but meals and entertainment. Verse 17 shows that our emphasis is on righteousness and peace and joy. Verse 18 is also what we are all about. Whoever thus serves Christ, acceptable to God and approved by men. To be acceptable to God, serve Christ. And if you are acceptable to God by serving Christ, you should be approved by your brethren. I'll pause again. Verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. There was this idiom, this expression I heard when I was growing up. Have you ever heard it said of someone, they have a bee in their bonnet? You have a bee in your bonnet about something. It means that you're always moving around. You're enthusiastic. You're worried about something. You just keep bringing it up. There are those who agitate who harp on something, not a matter of faith, but an opinion that becomes vocal and repetitive and imposed. In those cases, good counsel is, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let's adhere to Bible authority, respond with clarity to sin and error, but on matters that are not of faith, calm down and remember this imperative, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Verses 20, 23. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Paul didn't want the church at Rome to be torn apart over menu, opinion. Can you imagine the dialogue? Well, there was once a group of Christians here. They kept fussing about what to eat. They divided over opinions and fell apart. How sad. On matters of liberty, if it makes your brother stumble, don't assert your liberty in some sort of arrogant way. Back in verse 15, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. On matters of opinion, keep it to yourself while being careful not to cause someone to stumble. Let me say, what we're talking about isn't always easy to navigate. 
we feel strongly about our opinions, but if they're just opinions, we must refrain from opposing them on others. Related to this, I would recommend that you study 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Read Romans 14, then examine your attitude, and then supplement that study by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Thank you for being with us.